The reading is from John 15, verses 1 to 8, found on page 1083 of our Church Bibles. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Fred. It's uh, good to be with you um, here this morning, and uh, particularly that it means that Kirsty and Pads can be in South Africa for that really special family occasion. I first um, met Kirsty on our pre-ordination retreat in 2016. It was a silent retreat, which was very difficult for extroverts. Um, but even in the silence, uh, Kirsty's warmth and her kindness shone through, and I've enjoyed ever since getting to know her and hearing how she and Pads came to know the Lord Jesus and uh, came to know him and allow him to radically change their lives. And we will each have different stories of how we became Christians, some of us only very recently, some of us for many decades. But for each of us, the challenge remains the same. How do we keep going How do we keep growing as followers of Christ? How do we know the richness of life that Jesus brings and the joy of seeing others come to know him as well? What is the secret? So before we have a look at our passage uh, from John 15 together, let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the Bible. We thank you for its words of truth. And we ask by the Spirit's power, that you would speak to each one of us this morning, that you would make this word come alive for each one of us. Pray that you would encourage us and you would challenge us as you see fit and you would use my words for your glory. Amen. When I was um, about 12 years old, um, I read a book um, about a man called Brother Andrew. Some of you may have read it. It was called God's 
smuggler. And Brother Andrew famously smuggled Bibles into Eastern Europe when it was under communist rule. And the book um, tells of amazing stories, like when instead of a, a four-hour uh, check at the border, when he had, when Brother Andrew had a whole pile of Bibles on the front seat, which I don't know quite why he would have Bibles on the front seat at that moment, knowing he was going through a border check. But anyway, but instead of a four-hour check, he was whisked through in 30 seconds by a border guard who clearly didn't see the Bibles. Amazing. Anyway, Andy Croft, he's from Soul Survivor, you might have heard of him. He, um, I was reading his book called Everyday Supernatural, and he said how he got the enormous privilege to meet Brother Andrew in person. And after chatting with him for some time, he got to ask him the question that he'd always wanted to ask him. And he asked him, what is your secret of being so on fire for Jesus? He wanted to know how, that, how was it that Andrew got to see all those amazing things that God did. And Brother Andrew replied, the secret is to stick close to Jesus. The secret is to stick close to Jesus. And Jesus wanted his disciples to do exactly that. And that's what he was talking about in here. He says, remain in me, he says in our reading. The word occurs eight times in just these eight verses. Abide, stick close to me. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in the upper room before the Passover. And Judas has already left to go and betray Jesus. And Jesus wants the remaining 11 to know how to keep going after after they see him crucified and then those days of desolation until they see him resurrected and back with them. These disciples are the ones, though they don't know it yet, that's going to spread the amazing news of, of Jesus' death and resurrection across the world. So that's the context of our reading in John 15. Verse 5 says, I've got a different translation, so I'm going to read it from your sheet. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The key to the Christian life is to stick close to Jesus. More than that, to come to Jesus And like a part of a living vine that we saw so brilliantly demonstrated here with actually human beings as part of the vine, come to Jesus and be part of his life. And by extension, the life of God the Father. Jesus is the true Israel. Oh, actually, no, sorry, that's I turned the wrong page. When we come to Jesus, that is, that is what it's about. It's an individual choice. It's you and Jesus. It's me and Jesus. You know, certainly we're part of a wider community. We're part of St. Matthew's. I'm part of Great Fires. We're part of a, the bigger community. It's wonderful to see that you're going to be doing um, the Christ-like uh, church, which is from the, from the Diocese of Oxford as well. We're part of a wider Christian community, but our life as a Christian is at its core, about that one-to-one relationship. Each of us, separately, need to remain in Jesus, with him at our centre. 
You know, Jesus' message is really stark. He doesn't pull his punches. Because Jesus is clear that apart from him, we can do nothing. We can't bear fruit. Well, why? And to understand that, we need to unpack um, what Jesus says just a little bit more. Well, Jesus doesn't say he's just, he doesn't just say he is the vine. He says he is the true vine, the genuine one, the real one. Now, the disciples would have known from their Jewish heritage that in the Old Testament, Israel was described as a vine. Now, I wonder if anyone's been watching the Winter Olympics in South Korea. Any nods? Yes. Does anyone, does anyone spot what the GB, Team, team GB logo is? No? A lion, yes. Thank you, Liz. Yes. A lion in red and blue. Well, if um, the people of Israel in Jesus' day were in the Olympics, they might have had a vine or a bunch of grapes on their tops. And that, that was the image used in the Old Testament of Israel. And yet, not a healthy vine. You know, consistently in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, the picture is always of a vine gone bad, with bitter fruit, with weeds growing up. It's not a healthy, fruitful vine. It's an unruly and fruitless one. And if we're honest, it's, it's a picture of us too, isn't it? Left to our own devices. We are also unruly and fruitless. So John's picture of a healthy and fruitful vine is really different. It's strikingly different. Jesus is the true Israel. Jesus is what Israel was meant to be. Israel was always meant to be a blessing to the nations, yet Israel struggled. Struggled to be obedient and faithful as a people. And Jesus is in effect saying, you know, what Israel failed to do, I am going to do. Jesus brings an end to Israel's hopeless struggle with sin and disobedience. And Jesus brings an end to our hopeless struggle with sin and disobedience. That's why it's only in him, through his atoning work on the cross, that we can, like Israel, be how we were made to be. You know, I love it in the Olympics when the winners take the flag of their country and they wrap it around themselves. They're there no longer. Oh dear, poor little thing. (laughs) They're there no longer as individuals, but they're there as representatives of something much bigger. Wrapped in the flag, they're GB winners. Not just Izzy Atkins or Lizzie Arnold or or, uh, some of the other amazing um, athletes. As Christians, we, in the same way, are wrapped in Jesus. We have his status, his righteousness before our Father God. For Jesus' disciples, this message of the vine was even more radical because membership of the vine, as it were, who could belong to the vine, had changed. It was, it was now open to all people. 
It was no longer about being Jewish. It was no longer about who your parents were or how or where you worshipped. And for us, it's not because we come to St. Matthew's. It's not because we've done Alpha. It's not because we've been baptised by the bishop, even though those are all really precious good things. Being a Christian is all about Jesus. Remaining and sticking close to him. Surrendering all of ourselves to him. That's it. We make it so complicated. And so the question is, are we sticking to Jesus? Do we ask him to help us to do that daily? Praying to him, reading his word in scripture, being open to the spirit's presence. Do we realize that he is all that we need? Okay, you say, Sarah, I know that. But what about bearing fruit? You know, what about this? Because verse 2 is kind of really stark. It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That doesn't sound so great. Well, as we saw, the purpose, I bought my own grapes as well, just because they're absolutely yummy. And I don't usually buy grapes, but these are ones are very sweet. But I'm not going to eat it, because if I eat it, I'll probably choke, and it'll be really embarrassing anyway. Ever want me to come back and speak? (laughs) But the purpose of a vine is to produce grapes. That is it. The wood of a vine is completely useless. The vine exists for the fruit alone. So what is the fruit that we are to produce as Christians? It's about how we live our lives. Verse 8 says, how we show ourselves to be his disciples. It's loving, it's living loving lives of obedience to Jesus, putting Jesus' words into practice. So it means being different, I'm afraid to say, not swearing, not gossiping in the office or with friends, standing up for those who are weak or being bullied, thinking about our money and our possessions differently from those around us who do not follow Jesus. And it does mean being bold and telling others about Jesus, going into all the world or going into Southcote, going into Reading, to make disciples for Jesus. But we can only do all of that if we stick close to Jesus. That was Brother Andrew's experience. I'm sure um, some of the older Christians here can, can witness to that truth. It is impossible to do it on your own. So what about this pruning then? That doesn't sound so good, does it? Before we moved to um, Reading in 2016, we uh, lived in Sussex and we had a beautiful garden. And uh, it had been designed by the um, previous owner, or his sister, and it was absolutely gorgeous. Loads and loads of plants. And there was this uh, brown patch, um, just one sort of bare patch. And I thought, I just want to do something. I I will buy a plant. So I bought one plant. and, And it was a beautiful plant. It had little red bells. And I planted it in this bear patch and oh was I proud of it because it started blossoming on these lovely bells and it just kept I didn't really do much at all it just kept growing and growing and it was so lovely so I left it I just went and admired it and I left it and it carried on but by leaving it I essentially killed it and it started to get really woody at the bottom and the flowers started to go all mottly and um 
jump by not actually cutting away the dead bits of the bottom. I, I you know, I'd killed it. And I suspect now the owners who've got our, who bought our house will, it'll be, be long gone, long thrown away. When Jesus talks about pruning, it's because he loves us. And he wants us to flourish. And he wants us to bear more fruit. And he wants us to focus our energies in the right place. You know, vines produce an awful lot of unnecessary growth. And that's got to be cut away if the vine is to produce the good fruit. The word for pruning is really similar to the word for cleansing, to make clean and pure. And that's really the sense that Jesus uses in verse 3. Pruning is taking away the sin, the wrong thinking and the selfishness in our lives and changing our goals and our ambitions. That's not always easy. It's not always pain-free. But it is for our good and it is for our long-term benefit and our growth. And it's done by our loving Father. And God can use hard times and he can use experiences as part of that process, especially if we ask him to. And that's that wonderful promise about prayer in verse 7. You know, sometimes pruning is really obvious. Stop doing that, Sarah. And other times it's a real slower process. Changing our thinking. Changing the way we see things or our outlook and our ambitions. And that's why it's really important that we meet together. That we read the Bible regularly. That's why often I don't want to read the Bible because it's going to speak into to the things that I need to, to change in my life. In my life. The Bible meeting together and the reading of God's word points out those things that we need to change. Things that are not godly in our lives. This is a hugely rich passage. But as we close, three challenges for each of us. Are we sticking close to Jesus? Or are we living our lives apart from him? Are we bearing fruit as Christians so that our lives are really good witness for Christ? And what are the things in our lives that God needs to prune? Wrong behaviours or wrong attitudes? These are ongoing questions in the Christian life. But the glorious, wonderful truth is we do none of this alone. It's Jesus that we come to. He's the one that helps us. He's the one that is all sufficient. And that's why it's to Him we must stick and to none other. Shall we stand? I'm going to pray for us. I think it'd be really good to give ourselves to the Lord again. I don't know where you're at this morning. I know there's stuff in my life that I need to go back to Jesus and say, You be Lord, not me. Let's do that together now. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, the one we love, that you are the true vine. Thank you, we know that you're the faithful, good one. And we so want to stick close to you, even when it's hard. And we so want to know your presence and your love in our lives. And we so want to know the fullness of life abundant that you promise for each one of us. And so we give ourselves to you again. 
And we ask that you would make us your fruitful people, surrendered to your ways, reliant on you, oh, alone, Lord Jesus. Fill us with your spirit afresh this morning, we pray. That in his power and his strength and his help, in his indwelling, we may be more Christ-like in all that we do and say and think. And we ask this for the Father's glory. Amen.